and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Review podcast. It was a frustrating weekend, shall we say, at the Stadium of Light as Sunderland contrived to somehow lose 1-0 at Cardiff City despite really long periods of dominance and lost to possession. But um, as you can expect, Brass, uh, Brass? <laughs> Brad and Ross, sorry, <laughs> not going to edit that, um, aren't here because we've lost. Um, so it's just me and Dave this morning. Dave, uh, first time we've spoken about a defeat in a while, like, but how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, very well. Yeah, I, I think we just spoke beforehand, and we I'm, I'm going to go with with a frustrating loss, but still plenty of positives in the performance. And I I think when you I think when you look back at it, especially from from Sunderland and the management and the coaches, I think to take a positive from a defeat, uh, it's probably shown signs of progress. To be fair, yeah, I think so. Um, it did have a very Sunderland feeling towards the game like I, I could tell from about 20 minutes from the end that Cardiff were going to score someone's arse and I, I mean I haven't watched the goal back fully I've watched the mistake back and obviously I've seen it in live time and I'm pretty certain it did come off the lad's arse and just bundled in the bottom of the corner but um, it felt very Sunderland in some ways but what hasn't felt very Sunderland is the feeling of positivity the fact that we've had three wins in a row that we're kind of talking about all our players that they're all really on form and like I say, yesterday felt a little bit more typical old school Sunderland. Um, and that's maybe where it's kind of hard. But um, it's a very easy game to sum up in the sense that it was never going to go in for us. We were never going to score all day for some reason. It just felt like that. And they were always going to get a late goal. But I mean, how are you feeling this morning? We've had like not even 24 hours yet, but I feel like in the main, people feel relatively positive. Yeah, um, I, I, I haven't got too much... I haven't got too much problem with it, really. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna win every game. We know that we shouldn't be getting beaten in them situations. Um, the the especially from a set set piece so late in the game. That's the frustrating aspect of it, isn't it? Mm. I think the things to take from it are, me dad is always right. He said that Cardiff have been our bogey team for years, and yeah, absolutely nailed that one. Um, and then on top of that. Chief executive, whoever at the club, should realise that we need a new strip every week. It's, I mean, it's it's as plain as brass. You can see it. It's there. We haven't put a fourth a fourth there strip out for the fourth game in a row, and that's what's fucked us, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's kind of that's what I was thinking. That's exactly what I put my uh, put put the result down to, mate. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to take too much away from Cardiff because. I think there's been a lot of people saying, oh, like they were cracked, they're one of the worst teams I've seen and stuff like that. But for me, what they came across as is a really bang average championship team. And I mean that in like a complimentary way, if there's any Cardiff fans listening, which it probably isn't. Um, <laughs> but they came and done what a lot of teams did over the past year, realising that we're really good in transition and we're really good on the break and we're really good at getting forward. And if we have a chance of finding the space, one of our more creative midfielders or wingers is going to find it, even without a striker. And I thought it was stodgy. I, I talked about the the preview show and I said, like, Cardiff was stodgy for ages. Have they got any better? And the lad in the preview show was like, yeah, they're a bit better, but they've been very stodgy for a while. What I've seen was a, a really stodgy team that will probably finish about 11th. They put men behind the ball, defended in all 11 behind the ball, like the defended numbers, put their body on the line. The goalkeeper did all right. Um, made a couple of decent saves. We probably missed a few golden opportunities to let him off. And then they waited for the chance in the last 20 when they had a bit of a go. I, I felt it was very how a lot of teams are going to perform and come up against us. But I think, and I'm not the first person to say this in the last 
24 hours or since the game's ended. Nine times out of 10, even if a team does that and you play the way we did, you're going to win the game. Uh, it was just at one in 10 where, where you didn't. But look, losing games isn't great, especially when we're going for promotion. And I know there's been times at the start of the season when we went, oh God, we've lost the first two. But I think over the past few weeks, we've seen we're a team more than capable of going for minimum of playoffs this year. I don't think, again, the league's got much in it. Southampton obviously aren't what we thought it would be. Ipswich are probably more than we thought it would be, but, you know, same with Preston, but time will tell if they can sustain that because it's a squad game with the amount of games you have in this league. And I think Leicester are probably a standout. But outside of that, there's no reason why we can't have another good goal. But look, losing games isn't great, but I felt like this defeat wasn't so much met with anger, more that frustration that I've mentioned and, and you've mentioned, and borderline acceptance that it was basically just one of those days. Um a win would have been great, but it actually wouldn't have changed our position that much. It would have had us in fourth rather than fifth. So feeling positive going into the next few games still. I think we can, you know, put that one to bed, I think, and then and then move on going forward, Dave. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the it's the reality of, of the championship, isn't it? And probably the reality of football in general. And unless you're Manchester City, who I wonder how long it is before we get talk of winning 30 years out of 30 years. <laughs> but unless you're Man City, it's a level level playing field for a lot of us. Um, it, it was, from, from what I saw of the game, we're, we're in a good place. There's so many technically talented footballers that we have. Um, I, I just said to you before, Hadna, I think the glaringly obvious is we could do with a centre-forward who's like, no nonsense, just smashes the ball, doesn't necessarily try to to place it in the corner. And I think we'll be in good stead. I, I think I think as you correctly pointed out, Royson's probably gonna be gonna be that guy. Um he's gonna take a bit to adapt, he's gonna take a bit to get up to speed. But we do have so many good footballers and I think the the reaction one thing I took from that yesterday, the reaction of the um, the Cardiff bench, the Cardiff players, shows you that we're a scalp, and that that gives me immense pride. To be honest, for I know we've had one season in the championship, but to to bounce back and to kind of be where we're now at, where people are coming to the stadium alike, or we're going away from home, and actually giving us the respect that we have earned. Really, we, we've earned that respect, and just one of those days. Uh, it happens. It happens to the best of us. And yeah, I, I can't wait for the next game to put it right, to be fair. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm looking forward to games and the defeat hasn't really dampened my enthusiasm on that. I think, you know, it's we we did kind of get used to teams putting 11 men behind the ball and defending in League One. But in League One, it was a constant pressure just to get out of the division because we knew we were, on paper, the biggest side in that league at that point. Um, I know a few Ipswich fans or what might not might, what not might disagree, but I don't really care. I think when we were in League One, we were we were either destined to succeed and not get a pat on the back because we should be getting out the league or be laughed at, and that meant that almost every team came up and put eleven men behind the ball. And how many times did we see them nick it? I think it's a bit different in the Championship. You know, we, we're a massive club in this league, um, but we're not like destined to get promoted at some point. Like you would hope we are, but. Um, when that will be, we don't know. Hopefully, sooner rather than later. But it will be, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that a team's going to come up here in the championship, want to attack us. But the fact that a lot of teams sit back, time waste, try to slow the game down, and and take the pace out of it is, it's 
probably a huge compliment to us. Um, and it's probably got a lot to do with the fact that a lot to do with the fact that our home form's not quite been as good as our away form, because I think teams have to come at us when they're at home nine times out of ten, because in the championship, I don't think it matters who you're playing. I think nine times out of ten, your home fans expect that you can win because anyone can beat anyone in this league, really. And it's whoever ends up being the most consistent at the end of the season that tends to go up, a la Burnley and whatnot last season and Sheffield United. But um, I also thought Cardiff got tactically really right. I think as much as it's frustrating that if we take one of our chances, their tactics change, they've got to come out and have a go at us and then we probably, you know, tell them apart and, and get another goal. But I think the fact that they managed to go nil-nil for so long did give them a chance, which is kind of also our fault, but also credit to their tactics and we're going to come up against that more than once this season. But like I said before, I think nine times out of ten we get the goal, they have to come out and then we we get a second. But I do want to say with the positives, there's going to have to be some negatives in today's um, podcast. Obviously, we've got beat. There's got to be some, but I want to stay with the positives. Um, I've actually been, I wouldn't say a critic, but like I'm, I'm such a big fan of Dan Neal that I probably hold him to a higher, like a higher standard than some players that we have. Um, but I feel like yesterday Daniel was absolutely superb. Um, I thought he was the best player on the pitch by an absolute country mile. I really don't think he deserved to be on the losing side. I think sometimes last year we saw a Daniel that was like that good for one game, and then he'd have a bit of an average game, then a decent game, and then he'd have another great game. He was like have a really good game every three or four matches and be quite good the rest of the games. I feel like this season, quietly, he's probably been our best player maybe sans Dan Ballard, but how much has Daniel progressed this season? He's now played 120 games for Sunderland and, and how important is he to us? Like, I mean, I was even talking to the lad next to me yesterday and um, we said, like, if you'd said last year Liverpool were interested, we'd be like, what? And there was an element element of me when it happened when I was like, huh? But I can understand why big teams would be sniffing around him. Hopefully they don't take him anytime soon, but back to the question, you know, how important is he to us and how much has he progressed, Dave? Yeah, definitely. I I feel as always he's that guy who can he, he's got a bit of everything in the locker, I feel. Um I, I look back to the um the obviously non nominators famous goal at Redden last year, which I, I happened to be there. Uh the initial the initial burst, the initial ball in, then to continue his run, and that first time pass to Jack Clark the vision that it takes to see that pass and then to actually execute it, I think it sums him up perfectly. He's got a bit of everything. He can play 10 yards, he can play 25, he can play it inside the fullback. He, he's, I think he's a, a very intelligent footballer for his age and I think he'll I think he'll go on and, and do very well. I hope he continues with us. Uh, the great thing about local lads playing for their local club is the fact that it's I understand he who shall not be mentioned moved on um, and it was the right thing for his career wasn't it to go to Liverpool at the time and he, he went on and did very well before he um, before he made some strange decisions um, and I, I feel the same for Dan Neil. We, we'll get that Especially playing in a good team, especially playing in a team that plays good football, I, I feel as though he will show a loyalty to a degree. Um, and I don't think there's a single Sunderland fan, because he's a local lad, would ever begrudge him a, a Champions League move or anything like that. But for now, we just enjoy it. And and I think 
you hit the nail on the head before. We said it about Job, didn't we? When he, he his first game was very good, his second game was maybe he's a little bit quieter. Then he got the two goals, and it's hard not to jump on the hype train when they're so young and when they're learning the football and they haven't played. Look at Dan Neil, who'd played twenty games instead of one hundred and twenty. All of a sudden, it, it's amazing how much experience gives you that extra bit. If you're a talented footballer, you're a talented footballer. But there's certain scenarios within the game that you won't have experienced before because you're coming up against better players, fitter players, stronger players. And he's obviously working that out. He's finding his own his own style. I just think he's a massive positive for us, to be fair. But I, I think there's a lot like that. And I think effectively where you see Dan Neil now, you'll see like a Joe Bellingham in possibly two or three years. I thought Job was good again yesterday, to be fair as well, but I know what you mean. Um, I was actually surprised he took Job off. I thought he's having a good game. I thought, <sighs> we're coming to the negatives, look, and, and one that I will point out is that I thought the substitutions didn't really work. Um, was I asking for them? Yeah, I thought Ashish was good, or French Dave, as he's been called. Um, <laughs> I thought he played quite well. I thought Roberts probably tried to do too much. I still think, and look, I know the game against Southampton and the game against QPR, he got in a really good position. But I still think him here looks like a player that's only played four senior league games, um, which is a bit of a shame. But one negative I want to come on to, and I hate doing this. I hate doing this because I absolutely love him um, and it really annoys me. But before anyone gets concerned, look, I'm not hammering him. He's 20, I think, and I rate him so, so highly. Um, like, so, so highly. He's one of my favourite players. Man who loves to tackle. Uh, but the goal came for... Uh, from a pretty horrendous mistake from Trey Hume, um, which led to the corner. I think Trey's been excellent. I think he's arguably up there as one of the best right-backs in the, the division. There's a reason he's getting picked for his country week in, week out. It's because of the form he showed. Um, but there's been once or twice over the past 10 months where he's made like a glaring mistake that's cost us. If people want me to point those out, because I know that our memories are not that great and mine, I had to dig back into my archives of last season. But Bristol City, he gave the penalty away last year. Um, didn't need to do that. Hull at home, he makes the error where the lad sort of turns and when he should have just put it out. And a couple of the mistakes have been quite similar in that sense. Is that a worry, Dave? Or is that just where we are as a club right now in the sense that we have young, hungry footballers that have minimal fear and rather than booting it out, they want to back themselves, they want to pass it back, try and get it pat or restart and move for our own, play the game Tony Mowbray wants us to play. Is that just something that occasionally we're just going to have to get on with because I pointed out three mistakes there, Dave, but that's three mistakes from a kid playing his first steps in senior football at this level. Um, and he's 20. So in one way you could say, Oh, that's three mistakes. That's cost us points. Or you could say, well, three mistakes from a 20 year old in 10 months in his first real like season in the championship is hugely impressive. Is it a negative that he's keep making those mistakes? Or do you think that's just what Sunderland are as a club at the minute? We need to accept it sometimes. I, th- I think I think we're we're both of that age that that our that our twenty one dads yeah obviously our dads uh, influence our our ideals of football a lot and when you think about it, think back to when we were kids standing there in Roker Park uh, on our little uh, stool up against the railings and whatever and John Keir now John Keir didn't even try and attempt that does he it's it's like it's literally in. It's in the North Sea. It's it's over the top and it's gone. And I think there's two points to make for it. One, 
and, and you might be able to find it out while you're there if you don't already know. Try Hume is a new footballer. You you alluded to it, and he probably he probably nowhere near Dan Neil is he? He's probably nowhere near a hundred appearances. Um, so you've got that, his inexperience, and also the way that we play football. And and for a for a certain age demographic, the way that we play football is not percentage. It's it just shows how good we are. And of course, that's what brings on their mistakes. Now, does Tony Mowbray kind of knock that out of him and say, right, just just shift it? I don't think he does. I think he, he probably tries to say to him, you know, can we can we recognise a little bit more? You've made the mistake. You're going to make mistakes. There's there's much better footballers, footballers in the world who make mistakes every day. And maybe don't get punished for it. So a little bit of unluckiness as well. But that's how we play football. He is inexperienced and it's frustrating. And I think that's just the word to come from it again, isn't it? The defeat's frustrating, the mistake's frustrating. The old school side of me goes, for God's sake, well, like you've cost us three points. The way that we now play football, I'm kind of like, okay, I understand it. I don't want you to do it again, but... I understand why you've made the mistake and we just move on. Yeah, I think that's fair. And look, I've, there's been a few times and I think it'd only take you probably about four episodes to delve back into my thoughts on having a bit more experience and stuff like that and whatnot. But it's not like I'm now disagreeing with myself. I'm not Martin O'Neill, um, who occasionally does it. But um, I think I'd, it's just a case of acceptance that this is what Sunderland are. In the main, it's worked very, very well. I'm very, very happy, and nine times out of ten, I've been very, very displeased with Sunderland during my lifetime, sans maybe three seasons, um, and I'm really, really happy with where Sunderland are right now, and if that's something I need to accept, that these young kids are going to be nine times out of ten excellent, fearless, make me really proud to be a Sunderland fan and proud of the team that we have, and one times out of ten, they're going to make a mistake where you think, oh, you stupid idiot, and it's going to kind of ruin your Sunday a bit and make me drive back home to Glasgow a bit grim. Um I think I'm okay with that because I'm a Sunderland fan. I'm not, I'm not a City fan. I'm not a United fan. Like success is, um, I can measure success a little bit differently to just winning every single game. And I think the success is that we've got a good young team, fearless that have a few, a few errors in them, uh, a few mistakes like young kids will. But we've just talked about Dan Neal before, and I think Dan Neal used to lo- lose the ball on the edge of his own area about five times a season in his first couple of seasons. Now I feel confident in him. He's ironed those mistakes out because he's got 120 games under his belt. And I'm certain that, that Trey will do the same. And I think Trey's got so much more positives than negatives. Yesterday, he was pretty honking, fairly horrific. Misplaced about four passes, made the mistake. But it's one in about you know, five, six games. And I think I'm okay with that. I think I'm fine with it. Um, but let's stay with the negatives. Uh, <laughs> for now. Um, one of the potential negatives is that and there's a caveat to this. Don't worry, there's positive coming in for those who think we've been thinking of the past few weeks. Um, it was a home defeat that felt a little bit similar in some ways to games last year. And I mean that in terms of the way that they've set up. Not so much like, there's not many games that are going to be like that, but the way Cardiff set up, we've seen a few teams set up like that last year and get points. I think Watford were one of the teams, obviously got Watford coming up in a few weeks where they kind of sat back a bit and then hit us with, I think it was two corners, if I remember correctly. But it's not a secret that a lot of teams do like to come here and for want of a 
sort of football cliche, park the bus and hope he gets something off a corner. Ipswich were a really good team. Uh, I felt Ipswich sat back quite a bit on the opening day of the season uh, for large periods, hit us when they, they could hit us. And they've probably got a bit more quality up front with the likes of Nathan Broadhead than, than Cardiff do, so the damage just a bit more. These games aren't going to change. Teams have seen that it does work. Cardiff have took 2 1-0 no wins, playing a similar way. Watford got a draw up here and we had to score in the 97th minute. I'm sure there's other bits of evidence like Preston last year, Blackpool last year did similar and we couldn't quite get it over the line. And there's been games where we got nicked one out and stuff like that. And it probably put pay to our sort of, should we say, bad home form that we had last season or not as good as it was away anyway. Um, how does Tony Mowbray remedy that? Because we can't have too many of them, as much as I've just said what I've just said about the young players and making mistakes. We probably do have to find another way to break these teams down because I don't think people are going to change how they come up against us because there's a lot of evidence that it does work at home. Yeah, um, and I think that probably comes from a word that you've already used, um, and and it's it's a couple of experienced heads. Uh, I think I I think you want a a more experienced centre forward who's maybe in and around the dressing room might not play as much. However, um, it's just a bit more of a battering ram. Not quite as pretty. Can we can we just have a 20-minute spell of being direct? Now, do I think that Tony Mowbray is going to go for that? Do I think the recruitment are going to go for that? Possibly not, but that's that's what I feel. And then also, obviously, the Corey Evans aspect. Uh, for as much as Dan Neal's doing really well, just recognising bits within the game because they've played 400, 350 career games recognising that we need to do something a little bit different. I suppose the one we've got within the squad, although we probably nearly lost him, is Alex Pritchard. However, Pritchard is that guy who is a very pretty footballer. He, he, he wants to... He wants to make that reverse pass. He wants to thread it through the eye of a needle. And, and maybe he's, he doesn't like to go as direct as, as we could in order just to break that. Like I say, I'm not saying we, we go route one for for the whole game, but just a little 20-minute spell just to give the opposition something different to think about. It's almost like it's almost plan C instead of plan A or plan B. So, yeah, I think that's where we're, we're lacking, um, potentially. But maybe it just takes them all playing together a little bit more. I still don't think Mowbray knows his best 11, <laughs> which is absolutely mad to think, really. Um, we know his feelings on Patrick Roberts, and, and you said it yesterday, and yeah, Patrick Roberts came on and, and almost probably tried to impress too much. And that's because he hasn't been in the team, isn't it? He's been injured, he's took that knock. Mowbray knows how good he is, knows how technically gifted he is. But also the one thing you know Cardiff are going to do is, whether it's commit a foul or whether it's be in your face, that's their game plan. They're going to be fit. They're going to be strong. They're not going to give you the three yards of space that Roberts wants. They're just going to give her a yard and, and then jump on top of you. So, yeah. Um, 
I think I think simple answer. I'd take a, a more experienced centre forward, and I'd take um, I'd take a a bit of a a wily old fox in the middle of the park as well. If I'm honest, Corey Evans getting back. Yeah, I, I can't disagree really. I think I think in the main we'll we'll cope without both of those. But for little games like this, which do make the difference between maybe promotion and not, and look, I think that's our ambition. Like I know. At the start, we were like, oh, God, we've lost our first two games. We've been too ambitious. But I think we've seen over the past few weeks we're more than capable of it. But hopefully, you know, Pierre, who actually prefer a little bit further up the pitch, um, can cover that role till Corey's back. And even if Corey plays a bit part role from January onwards when he's hopefully fit, I think games like that when you just want someone to sort of sit and, and break a little bit so we can continuously pile the pressure on the team so they kind of break on us. The worst we're going to get is a draw because teams are not going to get the corner because they're not going to get a break on us. We're not going to be able to make the mistake Trey Hugh made yesterday because Corey's going to break those those attacks up and make sure it gets to our you know important players. I think we do miss a little bit of that in games like that. The Corey Evans, I agree, and I do. One question: I will Burstow's played up front the past three games. I'm not going to judge him. I've got my thoughts, yeah, but I don't want to judge him just yet because I don't think it's fair. Um, but I think Kamir and Burstow, in some ways much of a muchness in terms of experience at the very least. Rusin's a bit older. I know the Ukrainian Premier League. Well, I don't know the Ukrainian Premier League, actually. I don't know anything about it. But I'm assuming it's not of the worst standard on the planet. He's scored plenty of goals. He's cost us, I think it was 2.5, it was rumoured. Um, he's very different in size. And he looks almost more like a someone who cut in off the left. But Chef-Wed game, Chef-Wed look really poor. And don't get me wrong, it's not going to be an easy game. There isn't such a thing. Um, we could quite easily go and beat Middlesbrough 5-0 and get beat 4-1 off Chef Wed. It's that kind of division. It always has been. But do you maybe look at starting Roosin up top? Because I, um, I'm not going to share my thoughts on Burstow, but I'd like to see maybe somewhere a bit different. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I, I will share my thoughts on Burstow. Just the fact that I, I, I don't think he's... I don't think he's ready for it. I understand why he's here. I understand why Chelsea would let him... In fact, I understand why Chelsea let anyone go because, let's be honest, they've got that many players on their books. They just loan players out for... Well, just for a holiday, I think. So, yeah, um, that's a different story for a different day. Um, just to get a bit of space in the just... showers. <laughs> get a bit of space in the showers. Like, oh, sorry, Mason, lad. Uh, unfortunately, we've got... A young Ukrainian lad with a pair of curtains that we've paid eighty million pounds for and given a seventeen-year contract. So, your shower space is, is used this week. You're going to have to get yourself over to Sunland. All right, no worries. And if you can leave your shower gel for him, that'd be great because it was in his contract. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, he's just not not quite ready. He and it's very similar to the Gelhart situation. He's probably uh, a last twenty minutes or. A slightly different player to what we need at the minute. Obviously, injuries are, are, are counteracting what we want to do, or what I would imagine we want to do. And I think, yeah, I think the new lads need some minutes. Um, I'm sure they're putting as much work in as they can behind the scenes and, and possibly even behind closed doors games and whatever. But let's let's see, especially as we've got so many um, players who who hit the byline and then have that little reverse pass back, don't we? And I think Burstow maybe wants the ball in behind a little bit more and, and kind of running onto or, or crosses into the box as well. 
instead of that clever little technical player, which we know we're very good at. So I'd like to see Royce in. And, and I, I think I think the biggest optimism that I can give to Sunderland fans regarding it, Sunderland will not spend £2.5 million on a footballer without it being researched to the absolute maximum. So I've, I've got quite high hopes for him. There's probably I'd probably put the jinx on him for a start. And there's people out there who will go back to the preview show and say, Dave, you said Hamea would get 15 to 20 goals this season. The caveat to that is I did say if we played in the right style for him and we, and we, we aren't playing to his strengths at the minute. And I think what they're going to effectively do with someone like Hamea is say, right, this is what you were very good at. That's brilliant. English football doesn't kind of play that way. So therefore, you need to learn how we play. And I think eventually he will have a few goals in him. Um, but yeah, I just don't. I think, as you said before, he's just not quite ready for it either, is he? I think the caveat to that is none of us know what we're talking about. We just pretend we do <laughs> and somehow we get a podcast out of it. Quick turnaround, Dave. Uh, Chef Wed Friday, Watford midweek, I think, and then um, Middlesbrough. All three teams have struggled in ways. Uh, definitely, definitely Sheffield Wednesday, and obviously Borough got a win against Southampton at the weekend, but it appears we have broken Southampton. Um, all three teams are probably going to have to have a go at us. Sheffield need a win. They can't sit back and hope for a draw because that'll do nothing for them and the confidence. Watford might be a bit different. Watford might sit in like they did a bit last season, but I think they'll want to make sure they're showing the not mid-table for it because they were Premier League two years ago. And Borough are not going to approach a game and sit back against us. Um, I don't think they'll go gung ho, but I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna sit back. They're gonna want to win. Is that going to benefit us that each team potentially would come at us a lot more than say like a, a Cardiff did yesterday? Yeah, it certainly should. It'll it'll open up the spaces in between the lines, and and that's where that's in an attacking sense. That's where we are very good, um, and I think, I I think. Fans of said clubs where they'll be a little bit tetchy, Borough, slightly different story depending on their on their next result. But it'll, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not unconfident. I'm going into games. I'm even looking at the likes of Leicester, who we probably think are going to do a bit of a Burnley and and run away with it to a degree. Um, I'm looking forward to the challenge more than I am thinking. Oh, damn, we're going to get tonked six nil. Um, I think it's a it'd be a good marker of where we're at, and it's all to play for. And I'm sure that I'm sure the management is saying the same. Listen, it's up to you. If you, if you want to go and put a run together, if you want to go ten games unbeaten and win seven of them, then it's there. To, it's there to go and have a go at. Uh, I think that second spot is massively up for grabs now that we've seen a little bit of what the league's about and what everyone's about. And I think we're I think we're right in the mix personally. I really hope Tony Mowbray is going to address me with your accent going, listen, because that would just be like Tony Mowbray believes in the What the Fork brand as well. <laughs> or the Dave Lawrence brand, if you prefer. Um, so I think to sum up, you can hear we're quite jovial. We're happy. We're all right. Like, it's fine. And that's that's a really weird place to be with someone after defeat. I think, like many fan bases, we're not special in the sense that we're normally when we get beat, the world's ended. And when we win, we're going to win the, the Champions League. That's kind of just the way football sometimes is. But... I think it shows where Sunderland are that we're, we're all right with the defeat. Not all right. We can see why it happened um, and we can see where we can put it right. But 
Some of your feelings, Dave. Um, is everything okay? We move on. Are you raging? And do you want to fight people who think you have bad opinions on ready to go? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I'm, I'm too. I'm too much of a lover. Um, I think. I think it's a good way to sum it up, isn't it? Sometimes, whether we're footballers, whether we're humans, very philosophical answer. We're not always right. We like to think we I like are. how you differentiate between humans and footballers, like the two separate <laughs> things. Humans, robots, footballers, AI, you know, which one is going to take over the world? <laughs> yeah. Did the killers not have a song? Are we human or are we footballers? No, it was a different Something song. Something like that. <laughs> but yeah, we go again Friday night. Uh, I get the feeling it'll be a, a positive result. That's not because I think Chef went a shite. Dave Lawrence's opinion, I do think they're shite. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to it. Get it put right. Get back on the uh, the victory trail and and get an unbeaten run put together and get back in the Premier League. Got to be aware of Barry League One now Championships best player that ever existed. Bannon um, was listening Andy Hinchcliffe quite a while ago. Don't worry. Um, but Dave, thanks for joining us. Really positive feeling. Um, I hope everyone feels similar. Uh, frustrating, but get back on the horse. Um, take on the world-class Barry Bannon, and hopefully we'll we'll prevail in the world of Barry Bannons in Sheffield on Friday. And if we don't, then this podcast is going to be replayed across the blue side of Sheffield for endless years and months, but I'll always have that Patrick Roberts goal, so I don't care. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Cheers, man. 